You're listening to the Spandex Power Armor Podcast. Living in fear under the shadow of Chayo. Hello, hello. Welcome back. How's everything going in the uh, the big the big Rona hellscape we live in called 2020? We are, at this current moment in time, approaching the end of November, and... I'm still expecting something big and dramatic. We've only had small crap things going on. Yes, we've only had the we've only had the U.S. election. Just a mere <laughs> trifle. Nevada's still counting. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, uh, we we touched on that a bit too much last time. Let us let us not date the episode any further. In fact, uh, I'll actually keep us on track at least initially, because this episode we're talking about Ultraman, just for a change. I've been on a bit of an Ultraman binge lately, so you know you got to make do with my whims. Now this time though, we're we're talking about the uh, the animated movie, the American animated movie, no less. The adventure Wait, begins. We were. Crap! I watched the wrong one. Oh, I was watching no. Chayo's smash hit, The Six Ultra Brothers versus the Monster <laughs> Army. Oh, oh, a, a timeless classic. I've got that saved to a playlist on YouTube. I can watch it whenever I want. Oh no, no, it's the um, it's not that. I think it's the the Carmen Rider one with Hanuman in it. The the my confusion is forgivable because they have the same uh, Thai monster hero man thing in it. I hate them both. But yes, I have seen Ultraman 1987, Ultraman USA, Ultraman: The Adventure Begins, and USA. Any other titles? USA. USA. Yes, the most American superhero movie I've ever seen. It even comes with its own knockoff Superman theme at some point, and has a lot of wonderful shots of well-known U.S. landmarks. You've got Mount Rushmore, you've got the Statue of Liberty, and you've got the all-time favorite, the World Trade Center. And ah, you know, yes. one of those permanent American landmarks. Again. <laughs> Congratulations, we've dated the podcast. We are now taking place officially after 2001. We're also dating it to before the uh, Statue of Liberty collapses as well. I'm calling it now, so this is obviously pre-2023, when... Um... <laughs> when finally uh, we transition into Planet of the Apes territory. I was thinking that um, Canadians would come down and annex New York, sort of tearing down the head of um, the Statue of Liberty with a big old rope or like or mimicking that one South of Toronto or something. Yeah. Just mimicking that uh, footage of Saddam's statue falling. So images of the, f- the inevitable fall of the USA aside, uh, Ultraman. Ain't much more to be said about it. It's just Ultraman. He's Ultra. He's a man. Enough said. But there's more than one. There's three. And one of them is a token female. Ooh, progressive. You can tell because she has breasts, pearls and high heels. Oh, oopsie say. <laughs> I don't... Gazongas, oh, even. Yeah, are ultras gendered? Yeah, oh, yeah, they have sexual reproduction, <clears throat> of course they are. One of them's called Mother of Ultra. Might just be a metaphor, or like a, an honorific title. I mean, yeah, yeah, obviously it's a title. Her real name's Marie. That's an oddly European name for an alien. Right. What came first, the French language or the ultras? Well, ultras, probably. Did they invent French? No. Is it just a coincidence, like in The Simpsons? Yes. Oh, an Ultra Wizard did it. <laughs> Ultraman King did it. Uh, so yeah, this is a uh, a film from the 80s. I think it's 
both like one of the last Showa things, and because of some kind of quirk of when it was released, it's also like the first Heisei thing as well. It came out in 87, and it was meant to be like a backdoor pilot for a television series. Honestly, I'm glad it's stayed as a movie. I'm just... <laughs> it looks nice, and it's pretty self-contained. That's my mini-review. You can stop listening now if you don't care about anything else I have to say. No, 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 don't don't play the damn exit music again. No, no. Oh, come on. No, it's... not the music. Come on. We are joke like <laughs> We're only a few minutes in into row. this. <laughs> to be honest, it was clear that it was a pilot for a Saturday morning cartoon. You could tell it had that normal Hanna-Barbera charm. The animation was good, except for if you're not an important character, then you're in the background with no face. They had those wonderful scrolling backgrounds. You saw a lot of the what, Twin see, Towers. There is... <laughs> You're going hard on the on the animation on this thing, but I, it's actually really good compared to what I'm used to with Hanna Barbera. Oh yeah, you could tell if it was put into it. it it's better than actual TV level, like you well, know, look, series animation. The, the characters move; they don't just kind of get dragged around. You know, like Hanna Barbera were the masters of cheap animation. I would not mind this as a Saturday morning cartoon series. It's like, okay, they've got everything else set up. All you need now is just to stick some monsters in, boom, sale. See, I, I disagree because they set up this whole kind of framework to work within. Like, oh, this this planet with loads of monsters in exploded and now the monsters are on Earth. Whoa. And then it, it's mostly kind of resolved by the end of it. Like, yeah, all, all the monsters that we see land on Earth are either sent away or destroyed. And then, you know... That yes, but the guy at the end, he says they could come back. How about we just yes. hang around on here for a while? Well, that, that wasn't even like a, oh, I'm genuinely concerned for the safety of my planet, Ultras. Please stay. It was more like a, oh, oh God, they probably want to stay. i got to make up some kind of excuse for them. Scott really wants to uh, get with that scientist lady. Um, oh, the monsters might come back. Do you guys want to stay? He probably didn't even want them to stay. It's probably one of those polite things with like, oh, you sure you can't stay for a little bit longer? Oh, no, we've really got to go. <laughs> That's a very British way of looking at it. <laughs> so the film starts with a really cool introduction showing that fragment of the alien planet crashing into the Earth. And it also shows the origins of the three heroes. So they're all, what's the term? Is it stunt pilots? Um, I don't know what they are, because they clearly work for the military, but we see them, we're introduced to them doing like some kind of aerial show thing. Maybe that's just kind of what... I, I, I don't know. Maybe, I, I, well, they report to a general. like they're, they're clearly military personnel. I'm just not particularly well-versed in you know, US Air Force stuff enough to know exactly what their job is. Yeah, I think they're... Maybe they're test pilots. Yeah. So they're doing all these fancy stunts in the off-season, and when they're actually doing their jobs, they're just conducting bombing raids on Yemeni villages. Oh, hang on, no, this was the 80s. What was it? Uh, the US were allied with the Mujahideen at the time, weren't they? Who were they fighting against? Soviets? Um, yeah, it was that kind of proxy war kind of thing. Oh, yeah. damn it. Why, why didn't was we it, have, it, like, one... Rambo, isn't it one of the Rambo <laughs> movies, and it's dedicated to the brave fighters of the Mujahideen? And that definitely didn't oh. backfire a few years later. Oh, boy. Where would we be without you, Rambo? Uh, where were we? Oh yeah, pilots. Um, so yeah, when they're not off committing war crimes in the in the name of anti-communism, uh, they're they're doing uh, some sick some sick tricks for for bystanders, and they go so sick that they almost kill themselves and have to get saved by ultras passing overhead. 
Yeah, the film actually never does that great a job at explaining it. At most, the the three of them are just brought to a secret base under a golf course, and they're like, oh yeah, you're not yourselves. Ultras merge with your body, do you not remember it? Your memories will come back, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking... They never do. Yeah, it brushes over a massively existential part of this. I'm just thinking, hang on. You are merged with an entity of immense power. Like, what happened to that identity? Is that it's, is that being now dead? Are you now is that per, is your human personality taken over? They just turn up to the golf course. Wilford Brimley turns up and he's all like, "Right, I'm Wilford Brimley. I've got diabetes, and you're angels now, pretty much aliens, whatever." Yeah, and even but at the end of the film, they acknowledge it and are just like, "So the aliens are gone. Should we go back to our planet? What's going to happen to our bodies?" And I'm thinking, "Wait, hang on. Are you talking as yourselves or the what?" What, I think what, they've become uh, some kind of weird gestalt between the two. What kind of operating thetan level do I have to be at <laughs> to understand this? Yeah, they don't explain much. Um, what little they do explain is that they were saved by the Ultra Force when they were flying overhead and saw them. So, like, they canonically are not great stunt pilots because they killed each other or very nearly killed each other before the Ultra Force saved them. So, good job, guys. Well, if I wanted <laughs> a human avatar. <laughs> I would not choose a stunt pilot that dies in an accident. <laughs> yeah, at least with um, at least with the at least with the original Ultraman, it makes sense because Ultraman accidentally kills Shin, like he actually crashes mm. into his ship, and he's all like, "Oh, damn it, another one!" All right, better fuse with him for a few months, see if that'll heal him up. I I don't think I trust someone who only survives four out of five times. I mean, good good for the Ultra Force. And it works out all right in the end. Anyway, we've okay. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It 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 does. Um, there is a lot that doesn't quite get explained, and maybe they would explain it in later episodes. However, this is also Hanna Barbera. They're not really known for their great continuity between episodes, you know. Then again, then again, this isn't the kind of thing they're usually known for. Usually, they do, you know self-contained Scooby-Doo stuff, so maybe they would have pushed the boat out and made it a bit more a bit more serialised. I hope they would. Uh, the whole thing smacked of Saturday morning cartoon from the film. I saw the funny little robot and I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I was like, oh god, there's three of them. You say that, but you do get some really good Saturday morning cartoons. Like uh, Galaxy Rangers was pretty good and that had an overarching story. Um, Godzilla, the series, was really good. Men in Black oh, was really true, good. Oh, true, but... Oh, man, Godzilla, the series, and Men in Black were art. But then again, Hanna-Barbera, and this was the 80s. The only one out of those that was in the 80s was um, Galaxy Rangers. But yeah, no, the robots, they were not as bad as I thought they would be. They were tolerable, they were the yeah. They were, they were tolerable. I just wish that there were more humans around. Wilfred Brimley turns up like at the beginning to explain to them what the, what the hizzity haps is, and then he turns up right at the end, and he does nothing in between. He's just, he's just been golfing for this entire... <laughs> it, yeah. It, it, he, he just built an... In fact, the, the base he takes them to under the golf course isn't their main base. They get to their main base by being vored by Abraham Lincoln and Mount Rushmore. That's their main base. The one under the golf course is just Wilford Brimley's summer home. Uh, is he supposed to be a human or an alien as part of some sort of space police force who built all that stuff? I'm just really a bit weirded out as to what he's supposed to be. I always kind of got the idea that he was um, a, he was definitely human I thought who was just kind of in the know you know 
Like he he was he was aware of, um, what you call it, like the, these goings on and stuff like that, and so he was preparing for this kind of eventual inevitability. So he was hollowing out a U.S. landmark and filling it with uh, expensive fighter jets under everyone's nose. Well, I mean, the Mount Rushmore was meant to be hollow anyway. At least I think so. Was it? I'm 80% certain that it was meant to be hollow. What for? I don't know they are going to have like a cafe in there and stuff like that. That, I know sounds, that, was a... that actually sounds kind of disrespectful. I, I'm pretty sure that's it. I remember Only, reading. About I, it. I, I remember to, reading about it. I want it to be something excessively decorated in that case, like um, America Town in The Simpsons. I'm pretty sure but they were going meant back to, have to the, the robots um, for a sec. But I, I was um, Rushmore. Sod around Mount Sod Mount Rushmore. I, I've got to get this through. Yeah, you are right in saying that the robots were tolerable. I was kind of worried it would have been a Battle of the Planets yeah, scenario. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or where they just stick something annoying in. No, they actually have a role. Sure, they bicker among each other, but the humour was okay. It, it, it's it's the bickering was more um, was it is more endearing than I thought it would be. You know, the 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 annoying. Well, the one that looks like it will be annoying. The little one, Andy, is not like his voice is annoying. He's got that high pitched robot voice thing going on, but it's not that bad. You kind of get used to it. It's 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 not ideal, but it, it's fine. Yeah, it's passable. Yeah, it, I mean, like, like I said, it's it's just, it's fine. I would prefer it if they had a human support network. That would be much better, personally, for my tastes. But, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say it's bad just because they have robot helpers. So, what does your research on Mount Rushmore tell us about the hollowing out? Well, I mean, what I was going to say was that they were originally going to go far, you know, lower on the presidents and kind of have their torsos done, stuff like that. I just kind of stopped partway through. Um, concept design and funding, here we go. Uh, Does that mean they quit while they were ahead? Oh, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> I'm. S it's going to really bug me if I'm wrong about this. There's a lot of text here. And, yeah, no, nothing funny springs to mind, so I'm just going to put that tangent to bed. Uh, I wanted it to happen inside the um, hollowed-out head of that uh, giant crazy horse memorial. That would have been cool. What? Yeah, there's been a project that's been going for nearly a century, I think, um, to uh, make a like like a Mount Rushmore, but dedicated yeah. to Crazy Horse. What's Crazy Horse? Renowned Native American hero. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. The name was a little bit misleading. So it's still taking a while to build the thing, but it's it's going to take a, about a century to properly finish because the thing is massive. I, how big can it be? Oh, wow. Well, let me just oh, no, um, explain things. They are turning a mountain into the yeah, memorial. I'm, I'm looking at the picture now. That is much more elaborate. Yeah, they are carving oh, out an entire mountain. That's cool as hell. Yeah. Take 100 years, but yeah. Carving out a whole mountain into a, into a man shape is pretty baller. It's pretty badass. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have to go back to the one that's just a bunch of heads and the secret base that's inside it. Yes. Weird place to put it. Really dumb place to put it. It's the most American place to put it. Come on. Isn't, isn't that where the base in Team America World Police is? 
Oh, God. <laughs> I, am, I haven't seen that movie in ages, and I think it might be. <laughs> oh, it is an incredibly Americana thing to do. Well, speaking of just really American, like our main characters are Chuck, Beth, and Scott. Ah. The whitest names you can get. And I'd like to explain to our to our dear listeners that Chuck's voice actor in, in the English dub is called Chad. The meme magic has come full circle. Finally, an ultra Chad. Yeah, the characters are just standard archetypes, really. It's not really much to talk about. You've got um, younger male who's all hot-blooded and falls for a girl and is a bit quirky and stuff. You've got older, more authoritative male figure. And then you've got woman. Yes. It's the, the classic power yeah, dynamic. The three temperaments. Older man, younger man, and woman. Yeah, I think with Beth's character, it's more just being the straight one. While the others get to do other manly things. Like, just dead hard, serious. Not much in the way of advancement. Now, what, I, what I find interesting is that there's no... There's no moment of kind of dick measuring between Scott and Chuck in this. There's no... No, Chuck, I don't want to... I want to do my own thing. I want to go off and do this kind of moment in it, you know, because Chuck is very clearly kind of the leader out of the three, even though Scott is de facto the kind of main ultra, kind of. Yeah, you're kind of right there. That would have happened if this film were made a decade or so later, because then you would have had the rebellious Scott. But no, yeah. he's um, he's a good, obedient American citizen who <laughs> obeys well, his not, elders it's even, and it's not beats even that. up it's space that, foreigners. It's that they... they... <laughs> A horrible man. Americans aren't like that. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Um, and it, it makes sense for them to all get along really well together because they're like a like a flying trio. You would expect them to have incredibly good communication skills and a lot of trust in one another. So I'm really glad they didn't do the whole, ew, you're not my real dad thing. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense for them to have um, those weird dynamic issues, especially because obviously they seem to be very skilled together. They're kind of veterans all flying planes around, so all of that what's would have been gone is, within... Yeah. What's great is that there's no love triangle either. Like, they're all just friends. There's no there's no hint that Scott and Chuck like Beth or vice versa. There's no, you know... No Scott X Chuck. <laughs> well, look, we can talk about that later. We don't discuss <laughs> shipping on this podcast. We don't want Twitter to get a hold of us. But, you know, it's, it's just refreshing that there's none of that. Which is which is good. Yeah, these people these people work together. They rely on teamwork and trust and any kind of you know, hanky panky like that would kind of disrupt that. Yeah, aside from Scott trying to get some uh, scientist tale, um he actually the team have just pretty much given up their own personal lives. They're all just chilling in Mount Rushmore. They're like, Well, this is my life now. Yeah, okay. Now, you say that like they've made some kind of personal sacrifice. They get to live in this badass, technologically advanced fortress in one of America's national monuments. And you're saying that like, oh, oh, what a hardship. I must live in this this technological wonderland. Yeah. Like, what about family? There's, what about there's family? A part, there's a part of the film where they're openly hated because they rescued one of the monsters that is, like, all cute and awkward and stuff. And one so they're act actively being hated and <laughs> hunted down to be arrested, yeah. Yeah, but then they save New York and it's all Gucci. 
Yeah, true. If you save New York, you're good forever. You get a free pass. Well, like I said, everything is wrapped up in this in this movie. There's no real way to make it, and to, to make the TV show kind of flow on from this and not make it seem Oh, a bit yeah, true. It's like not too open-ended block. enough. The only hint is, ah, oh, aliens could come back. You, wanna, you guys want to stick around? Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not that they couldn't do it. It's just that they it wouldn't flow particularly well. You may as well, if they did make it a TV show, you may as well start watching from episode one of that rather than this pilot movie. For a movie about Ultraman, it takes exactly 29 minutes to see an Ultra. That's when Scott transforms. And That's about the same length as an episode. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, okay, great, they've got decently animated jet fights there, but I'm, that's not what we're here for. Well, we're no, here for it, the big it, blokes. It does follow the formula, though. Yeah, they all transform as well when they're near death, so they have to do something to kickstart it. But the problem is, like, once they know how to do it at will, they always transform when they're in their jets, so whenever they transform, they end up totaling what obviously is some sort of multi-million dollar aircraft-spacecraft hybrid. Right, perhaps. However, are you expecting them to just land? These We are not showing these things having VTOL capabilities. They can't just land them in the middle of a fight like this. They're up, I don't know, yeah, or have... just have them eject out of it and transform, and add some sort of... Because it's got like an autopilot functionality. It can return sure, to base. dynamic enough. You need explosions. You're just wrecking so much technology. Stop. Yeah, they didn't build it there. They didn't pay for it. Well, for Brimley Scott, you're a loose cannon. <laughs> yeah, but damn it, you get results. Character designs are a bit interesting in this as well. Like, everyone looks just really normal, pretty much. Are we talking about untransformed or in the Untransformed. I mean, in terms of, like, uh, like human designs, I mean, at the moment, like, everyone just looks normal. And it's kind of refreshing. I'm used to like anime stuff where most what, characters how they look... don't look like <laughs> yeah see where they sit in the classroom it's obviously the one with the purple <laughs> spiky hair and the great big shooter coat Ah, yeah no it, it's neat and it works for Ultraman because at least in the Showa series and early Heisei like you didn't get massively outlandish looking people you still don't that much I mean you still get the they're a lot more kind of well presented these days and a bit more pretty but that's just the nature of the genre unfortunately yeah they all looked pretty plain and just normal i'm guessing that's the appeal with a lot of american superhero stuff you don't want someone who looks special from the beginning you want someone who's just normal you're like this could be me you want to put yourself in their shoes that's why they have to keep them so generic (laughs) Uh, why are people obsessed with drive as in the Ryan Gosling uh, film, not the Kamen Rider series. Well, uh, let me tell you, I personally love Drive because I really like the uh, relationships between the Roid Mutes. I think that's a really good villain kind of dynamic. <laughs> uh, I, I, I haven't seen Drive. Uh, all I know is man with nice jacket. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of pictures of people wearing that jacket and they, none of them look good in that jacket. Now, of course, me dressing like Hunter Apps Thompson, I mean, that's completely different. Oh, yeah, true. I I would... Oh, man, you know what we needed? For some reason, you know how um, films with a more adult theme kept on getting kids' cartoons? Oh, yeah. Fear and Loathing oh, in no, Las you, Vegas. Well, you want to get... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he would do that. I guarantee he would have done that. Oh. <laughs> you, get, you get the man himself to voice it. <laughs> and yeah. it's just a constant trip. <laughs> and I, I don't know, maybe he actually does talk about mescaline in it. Go for the full authenticity. 
<laughs> Stop making me want things that I can never have. That would be amazing. I want it. The Wacky Adventures of Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> oh, no, no, hang on back. If we're going by normal kind of animated series conventions, it would probably be Hunter S. Thompson, the animated series, or Fear and Loathing, the animated series, or just the series. Yeah. Or the new adventures of Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> Actually, I think it exists in the form of Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> That's just what he sees. <laughs> That's what he sees when he goes to Bat Country. <laughs> uh, speaking of character design, though, um, the character design was done by Floro Diri, who means nothing to you, but he means a lot to me. Uh, he was a Filipino illustrator who worked a lot on Transformers in the 80s, especially Ooh. when it came to the movie. And so he did... Um, they basically what they did for the movie it was different from how they did the tv show where they took the toy designed a character model from that for the tv show for the movie um they did it the exact opposite way floridiri would um do some illustrations they try and turn that into a toy and they kind of work from there okay that's an interesting way of doing it yeah i wasn't expecting his name to come up so that's pretty neat any other notable names for this project uh, yeah, uh, so two guys, uh, William Hanna and Joseph Barbera, they formed ah, a pretty small animation company way back <laughs> when. I'm not sure if you guys would have heard about it. They did a small show called Scooby-Doo. Doesn't ring a bell, no. no. Like I said, a man named Chad voiced Ultraman Chuck. I think they should have just kind of gone with it and just called him Ultraman Chad. It would have made people like me very happy in the future. Well, obviously, we just need to invent time travel. Go back Clearly. and make the Chad meme a thing. <laughs> so we can go back to our time and laugh at it, but we'd be the only ones who'd actually know about the meme. We've destroyed uh, our entire future for some meme magic. Well done. Worth it. Uh, Toro Furuya played um, Scott's, uh, was, was Scott's voice actor. He played Amaro Rey in, um, in Gundam, which again means nothing to you, but means a decent amount to me. Love me some Gundam. I, I don't speak weeb. Gundam transcends weebery cultural boundaries and and gravity i don't speak big shiny robot oh, you should um so the, i only the speak spandex <laughs> uh so it was directed by two people um ray patterson was an anime it was um did animation work he was um like the assistant uh director on it he also worked on the dance of the hours segment of fantasia charlotte's web an animator on dumbo nothing actually that major really uh he did producing though he did um spider-man the 67 and 71 apparently uh series uh, but it was mainly directed by mitsuo kusakabe uh, he's not actually done that much that i've been into he did um he was a storyboard artist on 65 episodes of the real ghostbusters though ah as opposed to filmation's ghostbusters that was a very strange thing wasn't it oh yeah I, I had a few I had a few episodes on VHS of that actually. Of course you do. Well, not anymore. I had. It was really confusing when I was a kid because I didn't have Wikipedia to explain to me why. Yeah, it's a bit bizarre. But that's for another podcast. We're going to have to watch <laughs> filmation stuff at some point. Please no. The the original series is technically Tokusatsu. We're like the opposite of gatekeeping at this point. We will accept anything with open arms. It's got a bloke in a gorilla suit. So, True. yeah. It's in. It's Taku. <laughs> uh, one more um, member of the crew we should talk about, because this is both a point that you and I kind of independently came to, was that the music is weirdly good. 
yes, the soundtrack has quite a few bangers in it. Scrolling yeah. down the YouTube comments of um, the film, everyone agreed, especially the one where uh, when Beth transforms and fights the monster. It's this weird, semi-midi funk thing. It's just bizarre that it's pretty decent. So the composer for this was Shinsuke Kazedo. Kazedo. Kawabunga. Just figure out which one it is. Figure out which one it is when you edit no, this. No, I'm going to leave the in right the wrong one. one. About the bad one. And okay. no. But I want to look cultured and you know sensitive to the differences between pronunciations between. No, Bakugaijin Santachi. Uh, he also. Oh, <laughs> come on. We can't. We can't go after over um, TV <laughs> Nihon like that. Bakugaijin Santachi. <laughs> anyway, he he was the composer for a few episodes of Ultraman Towards the Future. Uh, he also did some work on Urusei Yatsura, which is a personal favourite of mine. Uh, oh, Kinuku Man as well, nice. Which uh, was translated... Oh, hang on, was this the 85 Kinuku Man? I think that was the original one then. Because there was a um, they did a sequel series which was brought over to the West as Ultimate Muscle, which I didn't see. Uh, our friend Jack is a fan of that, though. Wait, is it... Ultimate Muscle only just makes me think of Billy Harrington. As well it should... As well it should. <laughs> just as a quick aside, just as a quick aside, because I never get to talk about this. Do you ever find something that you can never find again, and that we may have, in fact, been a fever dream, that you're pretty sure is real? Many times. Cool. Okay, so, so what I found a while ago was a weird reanimation of the Get a Robo Armageddon opening, but with Billy Harrington instead. That sounds amazing. And any time I try and find it, I can't find it. And of, of course, it leads me to some weird search results, you know. But I just can't find it. And I can. All I remember is that it's Get a Robo Armageddon for sure. And it's Billy Harrington. This has nothing to do with the episode at all. I just wanted to externalize my frustrations and pain so that the world can share in them. Maybe if you're a good boy, Anarchy will visit you in your dreams and point you to the right link. <laughs> uh, I can only dream. The monster designs were pretty decent in there. Oh yeah, the monster designs good. I like the um, I like the weird plant thing because it's not humanoid. These I'm certain all of these monsters have names. In fact, I know that they have names. I was looking at them earlier. They just don't stick in my mind because they never once say their names. Oh, you don't need it. There's plant monster, cool electric robot looking monster. There's That's the one big, I like the most. Dumb, oh, that one was cool. There's big, dumb, adorable thing, um, which was stomping around the most, you know, famous part of Utah. It's icy peaks. Um, That's what my mum calls me. <laughs> and <laughs> and what was it? it was then the the one that's deceptively cute, then turns into like a, a goblin thing. Like that was always fun. I can say with that one, I'm not going to touch. Yeah, it's like some cute baby Yoda-looking thing. And you can tell it's obviously evil because its eyes just glow purple when no one's looking. And obviously because they're scientists and they want to communicate with the alien, they just run all sorts of weird tests. Like they stick it in a big thing full of water, they put it in one of those um, centrifuges, and the lady's just like, hey, how about we just try talking to the things? Like, no, hang on, I'll use this thing that will paralyze it. I'm like, why are you doing this? Then she oh, just tells... <laughs> Then she tells them to sod off, 
takes the thing to a room, sits it on the bends, like, oh, their baby, now it's feeling better. She points to herself, tries so to tell her its sad. name. Yeah, it, it starts out by going, and just something really cute. And then she's like, oh my god, I gotta tell everyone. She leaves the room, then it turns into a gobbling thing and goes, Susan. <laughs> I, I think they made it evil. <laughs> yeah, frankly. I, I think their yeah. unethical treatment of it made it evil. Yeah, frankly, they only have themselves to blame. I don't think it's Susan that did it. I mean, she pampered the little thing, but... No. If, if yeah, if your but first she was encounter with the, in it initially, if your first encounter with the human race is them running all sorts of horrific tests on you, you are full within your rights to start stomping them. Yeah. And what did they do? To, they yeah, they they end up yeeting you into the sun as well because of your bad upbringing. So I've just brought up the monsters here. We've got green shocks, which is the plant one. Garu, uh, Gary Baldy. Garou Ballade, Ballade, Ballad, uh, Zune, and King Myra. These mean nothing to me. Well, yeah, because they never say them in the, sh in, the, in the episode, in the movie. I'm guessing the names must have been assigned to merchandising? I don't know. I, I'm not really sure what kind of merchandising these would have had. I mean, obviously it would have had something, but... Honestly, it's the kind of thing that'll be in, like, an art book or something like that released, or, like, um, magazine releases or something like that. It, there's loads of stuff like that, like, um, oh, did you know that, um, officially, uh, Ultraman's Specium Beam is equivalent to such and such gigawatts, or a common rider can kick with a force of such and such hundred tons? Uh, none of that comes into play in the show. I don't know where they get those figures from. Apparently they get them from somewhere, though. This film didn't do a great job at explaining the context of Ultraman, so if you're watching it and you don't know what Ultraman is, you're kind of thinking, like, why is that flashing? Because it doesn't explain what a colour timer is. All they say is, oh, we're running out of time. It doesn't kind of link the flashing colour timer to we don't have long to finish the fight. They don't, even, yeah. they don't even explain that they're solar-powered either, where they clearly are. Because the, um, yeah. the, the big old, old mothership redirects sunlight at the... Um, the beam lamp color timer things on their heads to recharge them and like if if you if you in deep with ultraman like i am then yeah you get everything they they even name drop m78 which is neat as hell but it's not going to mean anything to you know your average kid in in 1987 yeah i mean they had scenes where beatus man was giving the spiel about where they come from but didn't actually give enough info on how it all works it's just like, oh yeah, you're aliens now. You'll you'll know what to do. I mean, we don't need to just explain to the die. audience. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds like we're starting to rag on it. It's still good. It's just the the biggest issue with it is that it, it doesn't explain anything. Like even in the original series, for so the first bunch of episodes, there's a bit where when the color timer starts to flash, the narrator says. Wow, the color timer flashing means that Ultraman has is running out of time. If it ceases to flash, Ultraman may never rise again. Yes, I, that's oh, yeah, a okay, wonderful euphemism for he gonna be dead. <laughs> he gonna die. Out of curiosity, who, who's your favorite character in this? Hmm, the Baby Yoda Goblin thing. Go back to Reddit. <laughs> Go back um, to your Funko Pops. I kind of like Chuck. He's manly. Agreed, yep. However, my favourite character is Susan. Because she's the most driven and principled person in this entire movie. Everyone else has just kind of moved along. She's the one who actually tries to make any kind of... Let me backtrack, let me backtrack. 
the ultras the ultras just kind of go along with the plot because they have to they're the ultras they're they've been kind of thrust into this kind of thing they just kind of go along with what they've been provided with susan on the other hand is the one who comes out and says right these these ultras are bad news they've been killing monsters without trying to talk to them what a bunch of dicks but once she starts talking to Scott, she becomes a bit more reasonable after she sees his side of things, and he starts being a bit more reasonable. It's it's weirdly reasonable characters for what's meant to be a Saturday morning kids cartoon. Weirdly mature. Like sure, he he admits they went in a bit guns blazing, but at the same time, he explains that when these things are clearly violent and hostile, there's not much opportunity to talk to them, and she has to accept that. And it's just weird that they have this moment and i really like it but she's the only she's the only non-ultra who runs into danger to try and save the day everyone else just buggers off wants to go and get stuff but she grabs that weird mental paralyzed mind meld machine and runs straight towards the monster before anyone else tries to do anything it's she's the best character in it yeah overall the backstory and character development isn't that great but there are some gems yeah, some neat character interactions. Like the uh, the general that the um, the Ultra Force was serving under to begin with, like clearly knows something's up. Because he's all like, ah, you can't fly anymore because uh, things are things are weird with you. He takes some holiday, and then he turns around and just kind of gives a bit of a bit of a bit of a smile, and he's all like, oh yeah, you're you're up to something. You know what you know what's good. And then we never see him again. I'd be interested in seeing where the TV show for this would go. I'm worried that it would just be kind of episodic and there'd be nothing to it. It would just be oh, the same thing every yeah. episode. It would be bland as hell. I think the characters would be even less complex. Susan will just end up being the damsel in distress. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, that'd be disappointing. It would exist to sell lunchboxes. Yeah, what else was cool, though? You know um, when Beth powers up to do her beam, where she kind of makes a whirlpool in the oh, water? Yeah. That's pretty neat. I like that. Oh, the effects are amazing. The transformation sequences look oh, that, so that's good. Snappy as hell. Yeah. Um, I, I like protracted, ooh. kind of drawn out transformation sequences, but these are just straight to it, and they're great because of it. Mm, they're brief, but they're well made. The fight scenes look great. They only really use yeah. the spe specium ray like three times. Oh, you fool. You, you've shown your hand. You're not a true Ultra fan. Specium beam is pretty much specific to Ultraman. Every other Ultra has their own kind of beams. You mook, you you rube. <laughs> Fine, it's what's the name of insult. their um, Christianity-themed finisher beam? Well, you put me on the spot now. That's not particularly very fair of you. Let me Quick, look. you got to give me names. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Oh, I'm interpreting this out. Okie dokie. So, oh, come on. you got to make me look good. <laughs> so, so Ultra, Ultraman Scott's abilities are flight, travel sphere, and his techniques are the granium beam, uh, the ultra energy ball, the ultra slicer, and the ultra push beam. Oh, that's when he pushes the monster away with a beam. Yeah. Uh, ultra Woman Beth, her powers... Yeah, um... At least they put effort into it to give them names for these specific powers. Right, but these never get mentioned. There's no calling your attacks thing. She's got a granium beam and an ultra spout. Really lame title for that attack. Ultra spout. Uh, ultra spout. That sounds like a, a name for something from an infomercial. Are you tired of pouring hot tea on your crotch? Introducing the ultra spout. Uh, so Chuck has the granium beam as well, and the ultra bubble beam. 
I'm glad they didn't call these attacks out. I'm kind of uh, a bit sad that Chuck had the least ultra screen time. Yeah, I mean, dude's got a beard. That's the only other ultra that has a full proper beard is Ultraman King. I think Chuck's got more of a muzzle, really. Well, no, it's it's, it's a beard. So does that mean that ultras grow facial hair and it's just all like angles off like polygons? Well, I mean, you say angles. Have you seen King's? His is quite uh, curvy. But no, Ultras do grow facial hair, but it takes a very, very long time to do so. Which implies that Ultraman Chuck is much older than Father of Ultra. Now, this information does nothing. That's lame. Maybe he stopped shaving once he came to Earth and had to save the life of some jackass who killed himself in a flying accident. But it's November. He can't shave. It's against the rules. No, no, Ultras don't do no-shave November. They just do no-nut November. That's why there's a certain time of year where no Ultra babies are actually born. That's my theory anyway. <laughs> ultras partake in no November, and Blue Ultras are second-class citizens. <laughs> Just add a little racism in where there is none. What do you reckon the birth rates in the land of Ultra are? I'm asking the real you know, George R.R. R. Martin tier questions here, you know? What's, what's, what's Ultraman King's tax policy? <laughs> Did you see that? That, that, that weird quote of, of George R.R. R. Martin's where he's all like, oh, what, what was Aragorn's tax policy? Oh, man, wow. why would you want to know that? That's boring. It's incredibly pedantic. Um, yeah. See, this makes me think. So, okay, you see the military arm of the Ultras. What is the point of being a civilian? Like, what does a civilian Ultra do? Well, A.T. was a, te- uh, was a teacher before he became before he um, went to Earth. Uh, Ultra 7 was a cartographer. What did he teach? I don't know, yeah. just stuff. He was a school teacher. Like, just... there, there's plenty to do beyond being Ultra Garrison. Apparently, um, the members of the Ultra Garrison make up a very tiny percentage of the population. It's just a normal society beyond that. I mean, as normal as it can be as giant embodiments of crystallized light and power. It just seems like if you got all this superhuman stuff, being a regular civilian just seems kind of boring. It's like um, Gallifrey in Doctor Who. You got the Time Lords, who are ultra badass time travelers who can regenerate. And you just got bog standard Gallifreyans. Like, what's the point? Well, very few of them are. Most Gallifreyans that we see are Time Lords. All everyone who lives in the Citadel are Time Lords. Anyone out of the Citadel has either been banished there or has made a conscious choice to leave and not be a Time Lord. Nine times out of ten, if you see someone from Gallifrey, they're a Time Lord. Ah. As far as um, ultras go, I'm pretty sure it's implied that some of them are just not that powerful. You don't grow up and immediately have, like, monster-slaying levels of power. So the only thing that the universe sees of them is their military arm, just like the United States. <laughs> no, it's okay, guys. Most of us are peaceful Ooh. civilians. Boom! Kapow! Give us your oil. Um. Oh, um, that's <laughs> an interesting way of putting it. Very, yeah. Um, Give us your space oil. Yeah. Hikari doesn't even do world-saving stuff anymore. He just develops technology now. He's in uh, R&D. He's the one who made um, Jeed's stuff. So there's, there's plenty non-fighty ultras do. You'd know that if you were in deep as I am. I'm surprised there hasn't been a slice-of-life ultra anime kind of thing, even if it would you be represented with want. with girls. I mean, oh, wait, oh, wasn't there no, a kaiju no, girl thing? Oh, I thought you were doing a bit. Yeah, there is. <laughs> I think there's two there's like a manga there's an anime I think there might be another one but yeah there's there's a kaiju girls thing I tried to watch an episode my god it's just I hate it so much it's, it's they're not even they're not even prop 
they're just girls in kind of kaiju themed costumes it's bull i think gamora's like a, a lolly it's gross oh man gamora's that's great cool. gamora's cool as hell he's the prince of monsters japan we need to talk i tried to watch like an episode and it's just i barely remember anything i just remember it's really dull i think they're trying to be like the most popular monster or something i just want red man to turn up <laughs> We're... yeah oh like some sort of red slasher thing fight. red man shows That'd up great. and oh man yeah that could work a bunch of episodes of just trite slice of life cute girls doing cute stuff and then red man turns up and the rest of the series is some kind of slasher horror thing that would be great well you said slice of life uh, red man will put the emphasis on slice <laughs> why was there no red man usa <laughs> I mean, I think Redman's host is meant to be a, a cop, right? I think that might hit a little bit too close to home yeah. in, these, uh, <laughs> in these trying times. <laughs> um, ooh, okay, if it were a Redman thing, the animation would be more akin to Evangelion. Yeah, I'm down to clown. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. I just, I like more Redman. Uh, it's a shame that the, uh, the initial kind of meme hype around him died down a bit. Yeah... Still, he exists in our hearts. Even if we wish he wouldn't. He's the last thing we see when we die. But we're not monsters. Oh, wait, no, we've established the real monster is man. Uh. Yeah, you know, um, when will man learn? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the monsters, they get off easy. We're we're just in for it now. Veering back around to uh, the Ultraman... Ultramanime? Yeah, Ultramanimation? Ultramanimation. Oh, what are they trying? That just oh, sounds like Super Mario Nation. Animation for a while. Yeah, I was always surprised to learn that Super Mario Nation was not like a weird Mario game. It's the You've got Mario yeah, the Land, turn Mario used World, for puppets. Mario Principality. That's when he secedes from the Mushroom Kingdom and tries to launch a war of independence against Princess Peach. What happened to Mister? I won't get political. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the <laughs> that's the term applied to. Ooh, which ones were done? Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet. Yep. Joe Your 90. old school, yeah. I hated Joe 90 so much. It was so boring. It was so goddamn boring. I watched a bunch of episodes. It was so boring. That's my mini review on Joe 90. I know what we're covering next it. time. No. Uh, for those listening who have never seen anything like Thunderbirds or Captain Scarlet, it's great. You got old school puppets back when yeah. that was like a, a usable medium. Now it's all Bizarre CGI. It's as popular as it was. Not that I'm complaining, of course. I quite liked Captain Scarlet. Thunderbirds kind of eh. It's fine. But veering back around to the uh, to the Ultraman thing, though, the the actual topic of the episode, I found it quite interesting that you have kind of three factions at play. You got the National Guard, you've got the Ultra Force, and you've got the uh, Foundation for Extraterrestrial Research. And if there was a main series, I would or like fur. To the interplay fur, yeah, fur labs. I'd like to if those three kind of played against each other a bit more. That'd have been a bit neat. Yeah. Thomas Fur were just flip-flopping a lot of the time. Initially, they were like, no, we've got to make contact. We've got to be peaceful. Then like, hey, here's Kill a baby alien. Kill this bitch. Here's a baby alien. Let's just subject it to a lot of experiments. Like, just really not the most consistent. Like, all the consistency uh, went into Susan. I think it was a good idea to have the um, space gremlin turn massive, even by ultra standards by the end. Because you've got three... Ultras, you got three heroes. It kind of makes it a bit unfair if he was their size, but if he's like three times their size, yeah, it's a bit more reasonable to have them all fighting him at once. It makes it seem a bit more fair. And that's something you can't really do with live action stuff either. 
Plus, it means it doesn't boil down into a basic uh, brute fight, because they have to be clever, so they can't actually fight the thing on Earth, so they have to get it into space. Then the only way to defeat it is to yeet it into the sun. Uh, look, if you think about it, that's a, a good way to solve a lot of problems and conflicts. You know, just take whatever conflict or whatever the source of strife is and push it into the sun. I... No, this wasn't a plot thing in Futurama, but it sure as hell sounds like it. No, I'm certain... Was it not the global warming one? No, no. No, that's take a big chunk of ice and drop it into the ocean every few years. No, no, there was... Oh, was with not, the trash. Was it the rubbish no, one? it's just the launched trash. all into space. Oh, so was it just aimlessly in space, not the sun? Yeah, not directly into the sun, unfortunately. There was a sun one, though. Like, were they getting too close to the sun, or did they... I'm going to have to rewatch Futurama again. What a shame. Futurama binge, yay! Yeah, it's better than The Simpsons. Yeah, I, I kind of fight you on that. I will fight you. I've been, well, overall, yes, I've been because penned The Simpsons up at home had some for weeks now. But... I need to fight something. Come on, seasons three to eight of The Simpsons are gold. I'm not a big Simpsons fan. How dare you, sir? I, I, I'm a King of the Hill man. Tell King you of the Hill's closer to The Simpsons than it is Futurama. I know that's what I'm saying. In that kind of in that kind of arena. I'm sitting firmly on the King of the Hill fence. I just made the comparison to The Simpsons because they were both by Matt Groening. I love how we are just finding tangents for everything. Is it related to animation? Sure, sort of. <laughs> tangent That's what time. We do. You come for the talk, you and save the tangents. We've got nothing else really to say about this film because we, we pointed out the great parts of it. And it does have some real bangers, got great fight scenes, the transformation is decent. It's obviously a pilot for a Saturday morning cartoon that never happened. Um, but the animation is far above what you would expect for that kind of thing. It's it's surprisingly good. It's not a masterpiece, but it is good. It's 75 minutes long. It's pretty snappy. You know, just over an hour. If you're an Ultraman fan, you are going to enjoy it. It still feels the same. It's got a slightly different formula, but it's still all there. If you want to watch it, Gorizard on YouTube has it. I think, I think he's got the Japanese and the English versions. Either way, he's got a Blu-ray rip of it on YouTube. Just watch it. It'll take you an hour and 15 minutes. What do you, you got to lose? Everyone's in lockdown. You've, I know you've got enough to time to watch time. it. Might stave off the you know inevitable realisation that everything you've done in life is meaningless. It's one hell of a kid's movie. <laughs> yeah, no. If there's one thing you take away from this episode, uh, it's that I'm slowly being crushed by existential dread and that you should watch Ultraman. Agreed. I'd say watch it. Seriously, it ain't bad. Yeah. We've watched a few stinkers in our time, and this one, yeah. Oh boy. I'd say it's good. If you like old cartoons, it'll give you a nostalgia boost. If you like Ultraman, it's a neat reference. I mean, they even referenced the characters in one Ultraman film, didn't they? Now fight Belial. Actually, I was I was looking at it, because they have, they've, they've used them in a bunch of stage shows, I'm pretty sure. I want to see exactly what their um, appearances are. Uh, first appearance is Ultraman the Adventure Begins. Uh, this is for um, Beth. The latest appearance is New Ultraman Retsuden, episode 155. So I think that was... I mean, that's not recent recent, but relatively recent. Yeah, 2011. Did I give a full list of appearances? I'm certain. she def They definitely appeared in the uh, Mega Monster battle. I can I'm never remember that. I'm quite glad that they are mentioning it and not just sticking it... Well, loads of Ultras that didn't do much or haven't done much in ages get brought back and stuff. Ultraman Reboot, 
Um, oh god, this is getting. I'm going to sound really bad if I don't say what country he's from, because then it'll make me sound like a typical Westerner who can't tell the difference. So I'm going to look it up. Yay! Admitting that we don't know enough to have an opinion on something, then trying to do some research. We're uh, progressive Malaysia. human beings. I think. Malaysia! The Malay word reboot means storm in English. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, reboot. Uh, re is, they pronounce it reboot in um, all the English things I've heard, where they've dubbed it. So that's why I'm calling it that. I'm, I would have no. I don't even know what the Malaysian accent sounds like, so I'm not even going to try and pronounce it any other way. Uh, he's come back in a few more recent stuff. They uh, they brought great and powered into some stuff. You know, these are ultras that haven't done much in a good long while, and no one really thinks too much about. So that's that's one thing I like about Subriar is that they really uh, they will give lesser known characters or less popular characters at least a little bit of focus. Like even Hikari gets name dropped. They give them more respect than Kamen Rider Shin. Oh, one day they couldn't even give him a. <sighs> Come on, I, 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 I wouldn't mind like a belated sequel to that movie. I, I just want Shin. I'd kill a man for a Shin figure. Yeah, that's what you want to go to prison for. At least I'd have company in prison. They'd avoid you. It's like, oh god, he's talking to his action figure. <laughs> Tells him to gouge out eyes. <laughs> Uh, so if any of you guys feel the need to uh, have some nice kind of blast from the past, old school animation, ultra action, let us know what you thought of it. Hopefully you'll agree with us because we're the arbiter of good taste in this community, even though, you know, barely anyone listens to us. They just don't know it yet. And if you disagree with us, get bent. Or just, yeah. you know, we'll we'll chat about it. I mean, I'm completely fine with wrong. people challenging my views on Tokusatsu, but um, it's canon that these Ultras can only transform by wrecking an experimental aircraft. Like, they can't do it otherwise. It's got to be something expensive as hell, like in the millions of dollars, and it's got to be completely totaled. That's the only way they can do it, even if it means crashing a Ferrari into a wall going at 120. It's the only way they can get that kick to transform. Before we finish up, just one little thing. These guys go back to the Land of Light after this, at some point. Do you reckon they had to have some kind of weird therapy to get over being human for a while? Would that mean that their human signs are technically considered as dead, or are they still having, like, human memories? Like, do they have... This, this is very existential. There's a lot to unpack. There, yeah. yeah. There is a lot going on here. There's a lot. The concept of self is completely obliterated, so what... Could they then merge with other people? Are they just assimilating minds? I mean... Tune in next time for my uh, full episode alone where I dissect the inner workings of the psychology of ultras. It's going to be the existential horror Christmas special. <laughs>